welcome to the Reds Report. I'm Joshua Folk of The Athletic. I'm Oliver Platt of Pro Stock USA and the CFC Report. So, we do not have to panic anymore because <laughs> TFC just absolutely gutted out a win. And I think that's what you said uh, on last week's podcast that they needed to do, like a an ugly 1-0 win, even you know without Seba, without Josie, that's what would suffice here. And for a while there, up until the 85th, whenever the goal came, 86, 87. 87th, yeah. <clears throat> so we're getting into that 80-minute range, and I think a lot of us had the panic story written because yeah. if that match against Orlando City ends in a draw with, again, them giving up a goal right after Jay Chapman scores, um, I think you have to ask, you have to really, really start asking questions. Uh, what do you think of the match, the win against Orlando? Two, do you think it gives them enough breathing room now? Yeah, I, I think there's like a positive and negative interpretation, really. Like you can say, on the one hand, they, they did grind out the win that we all thought they needed. And sometimes when you come off, you know, a couple of bad results, it's that that first win, that first result getting you back on track is, is a tough one. You know, it's a hard fought one. On the other hand, it, this was a 1 1 game until the 86th minute, and, you know, that could have spelled problems for TFC. So it depends what way you look at it. But I, I did feel that. If they were to get back on track, it was likely not going to be pretty. Um, and what I did like that they did was when Orlando equalised and they kind of started taking over the game a little bit and mm -hmm. had a couple of chances at, um, midway through that second half, TFC went back to their 3-5-2. Yep. They secured things. They made sure that they kind of stemmed the tide of what Orlando were doing. And then, they, you know, you're probably going to get one chance late on to, to win the game, and they did, and Ryan Telfer took it. We have a number of things to talk about today. We're going to talk um, the idea of TFC maybe scoring by committee. Uh, given that their goal scorers were Jay Chapman and Ryan Telfer, we're going to talk about Ryan Telfer in a few seconds. Um, we're going to talk about what we learned from training today. Uh, some interesting comments from Greg Vanny about Pep Guardiola. Uh, we're going to look at Jordan Hamilton. Uh, probably move that up higher in the lineup considering what happened with him against Orlando. Um, Ryan Telfer scores the goal. Um, it's it's very easy to say he is this year's Raheem Edwards because he plays a similar position. He's a local product. He brings just an energy and a creativity. Yeah. Um, he's a lot of fun to watch. And I guess that happens anytime you have a new player who, because very often over the last two or three years with TFC. It's just been the same core of players. Yeah. Um, what I really like about Ryan Telfer is the composure he plays with, given that he's 24, but he's a rookie. Um, and he doesn't, again, I, I don't want to use too many intangibles, but he doesn't back down against defenders. He, he uses his pace on that wing to really charge at defenders. What really impressed me was the way he attacks also in the box. I know it was in the first half he attacked the box and mm. um, he's either going to get fouled and draw a free kick close to or he's going to get a very clear-cut chance. Yeah. So he's a player that has a nose for the net and Raheem had that as well. Yeah. Um, I really like the idea of him... Um, not just being used off the bench. I like him being used as well because 
thinking long term, I mean, we've you and I have both talked a lot, and we've written a bit about TFC's academy and TFC two, and what are they going to do moving forward? Um, every time Greg Vanny brings in a new local product, I think that really sustains a lot of hope for local players actually playing and actually getting meaningful minutes with this club. So I couldn't help but think bigger picture because I've been impressed with them all season. I know this was that Orlando game was was one where a lot of people were like, wow, Ryan Telfer, who's this? This is our guy. What can he do? Mm. Um, if you go back to, I believe it was the Houston game, I thought he looked great. I remember he landed one cross on Hamilton's head that was, perfectly. Yeah. It was disallowed for offside, I think, or something. I think like he, he landed three or four crosses that uh, I don't know if any were converted. But yeah. again, there's that composure uh, to, to both use your pace and then finish that cross. Difficult to do, but I think you, you got to look big picture and you, you got to think if a player, another player from a local university last year, Raheem Edwards from Sheridan College this year, uh, Ryan Telfer from York University, provides a bit of hope for young players in and around the GTA mm-hmm. that the pathway to TFC makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like you compare them to Edwards as well, and they're two players who have totally not gone down the kind of pathway that TFC is setting out for their young players. Like they were playing. At Canadian college level, a couple of years before they're in MLS, right? Um, so it's interesting how, you know, like, I think you were higher on Telfer than I was because yep. I saw saw like a 24 year old guy who had a year's experience in the USL and come back into the professional game very late. Um, and I just, you know, it's just easy to see limited upside with a player like that, right? Right. Um, but sometimes it just works out, you know. Sometimes players, I don't know, they just seem to have a kind of mentality about them that big body too. Right? Yeah, like physically big, he's mature. Physically he's he's there. Um, he was a really I don't know if, if anybody had a chance to I don't even know if it was posted. Watch his post game interview. I mean, he scores <laughs> that goal is an incredible goal. First MLS goal or not? Eighty seventh minute or oh, yeah. not? Was a like a left footed volley. Yeah. And what I liked about it was like. It had so much power. The goalkeeper tr- had a hand on it, but couldn't get enough of it. Mm. Like, it's a really incredible goal, and you watch him after, he just stops. He doesn't yeah. run to the sidelines. You know, he doesn't go and, and do laps around the flag. He's, he just, he points across. He, I think he was pointing at Aro mm-hmm. for making what for was cross, a great right. cross. But he's so composed. And then after, I don't know if you have a chance, watch it, but... We got about four questions in with Telfer because he was very just he he was not he was not pumping his own tires. No. I, I started and I said, How does it feel right now? You score a goal that and perhaps it was hyperbole, but you know, might have changed the course of TFC's season. And he said, We got the three points. And yeah. and what I liked what he said was, um, I didn't want to celebrate too much because I've seen the way games go. And even though it's the 87th minute, I know that things aren't over until that final whistle. This is a guy who has the talent, but also seems very invested in TFC's season already. Mm. Yeah, he just doesn't seem to be really daunted by anything. Like sometimes it's as if he's in his own world almost. Like right. He, he like when he was talking to us, he just had his head down, barely even looking at any yep. of us. Just 
you know, it, it didn't seem to phase him really anything that happened or, or be kind of a, you know, a big moment for him. I'm sure it was, but he just doesn't really give the, the outward impression. Um, uh, I saw a really funny moment to take you guys kind of inside. I was poking around right by the, uh, the training ground dressing room today, about an hour ago. And Ryan Telfer walked by and, and um, one of TFC's uh, media relations staff just kind of said, hey, Ryan, um, have a request for an interview with you for tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to say who, but a very reputable outlet said they'd like to talk to you. And Ryan Telfer just said, okay, yeah. And what was great was I thought he was, you know, you, you just asked to do it, your first big interview with a very big um, outlet for the league. And what does he do? He just stops and he turns and he ducks his head into the TFC2 dressing room. He doesn't walk into the dressing room where, you know, Sebastian Javinko had just come out minutes before. Like he's, he's very, like you said, he's very much uh, at peace with his role yeah. right now. Um, I remember I did an interview with Io Akinola before the season. I said, what are your goals for the season? And he said he wanted to win MLS Rookie of the Year and, you know, I will never fault a player for ambition, but that's very, very unlikely. Right. Ryan Telfer, content to just hang out in what was very much a, if you go in, it looks like a high school dressing room. Yeah, that's what, and like watching TFC2 last year, that's exactly what he did all year. He just keeps his head down and works, and a lot of the time in a bad team as well. He just does what he does every week. It's kind of nice to see that like actually pay off at the senior level you know that helpful because um we're going to talk about scoring by committee and one player that really contributed uh on the score sheet a lot last year and has not had a chance to this year is justin morrow uh we'll tell you a little bit about what we learned in terms of his injury updates but do you see ryan telfer as a replacement for justin morrow for the time being um, I think for the time being, possibly. I think Vanny sees him more as a winger. Um, he yeah. said that specifically today that he's had to put a left winger, the left winger being Telfer, at left back because uh, because Ashton Morgan's out too. Um, so it will be interesting to see on Friday if he goes with Van der Weel again at left back or if Telfer gets dropped back. I would think he'll go same again just because... That's Both players thinking, had yeah. a good game on, on Friday last Friday night. I like him in the four one four one. Yeah. Uh, because in that situation or in that formation, he has a lot of room to press up. Yeah. That left side, like in that four one four one, there's no one really encroaching on that left side of the pitch for him. And it's very similar to a three five two as well. Mm-hmm. I like him better in a four one four one. Because as, even though Vanny seems to be comfortable with his defensive scope, um, I don't think I think he he understands that he's more offensively gifted, and he wouldn't yeah. want to rely on him. Because in that three five two, you still place a lot of emphasis on those wing backs to get back and cover necessary ground. Right. right? right. Yeah, and. I think he kind of gives you a bit of what Nico Hasler does right. playing on the right side in that four-one-four-one, and that's useful when you've got, like, when you've got Jay Chapman on the other wing, who's really an inside playmaker, not a winger. Um, you know, having a source of width and direct running and just really simple up and down play, I think, is kind of uh, a nice thing to have on one wing. Speaking of Hasler, um, what we learned today, he's having an MRI. Uh, we'll know probably more later on this week. He's having an MRI today. Uh, on his quad, so we'll know a little more later this week in terms of 
where he stands uh, uh, in terms of returning. Uh, Nick Hagland, possible for Friday. Um, and two players we just mentioned, Ash Morgan and Justin Morrow, still unlikely. Um, I I don't see, I still don't see Justin Morrow coming back anytime soon. I, I'm putting him in that um, Josie Altidore block. I'm looking at him more in and around the World Cup. Yeah, it's a weird one because it wasn't supposed to be a serious injury. Like it was like a two-week calf strain or something right. like that, and it's just persisting and persisting. And you know, we were told he was having an MRI. It must have been a week and a half ago now. And yep. They've obviously got the results of that, and they weren't particularly great. So, um, yeah, it's a strange one why that's kind of persisting and obviously a little bit worrying. So Jay Chapman and Ryan Telfer. Two local products, maybe saving TFC season. Um, this scoring by committee idea. Mm-hmm. You're without Altidore. You're going to get Seba back for Friday, um, but without without Josie in the box to hold up play, Seba isn't going to be as effective as as he normally is. Um, is this scoring by committee and getting goals from the midfield and getting goals? Kind of from wherever yeah. they may come, um, is it is that what is is that what Greg Vanny's plan is from here on in, and is it sustainable? Yeah, well, it brings us to someone we're going to touch on a little bit later, I think, which is mm. what do you do to replace Altidore while he's out? Do you play Hamilton or Ricketts in that role, or do you bring another midfielder in and, as you say, take the committee approach? I think that's the kind of question that Vanny is mulling over and. I'd say he's probably leaning towards the extra midfielder. Which I know he's probably been the most talked about player on this podcast two and two and a half episodes in, but to me that speaks to more playing time for Agar Akeche. Yeah, because Akeche of, and Chapman would be the two, I think. Because of what Akeche can offer you. I, I believe, I, I'm going to pull it up, I probably just faved it somewhere, but um, I saw stats somewhere... Agar Keche has the highest expected goals of any player that has not scored. In MLS, yeah. In MLS. Yeah. He's taken 24 shots and he has not scored. Um, it, it's going to come. And, yeah. and, and again, the idea of, of just having cracks from the midfield mm-hmm. is important. Um, I, I think it's just what you have to do at this point because... We might as well get into him now. Jordan Hamilton, um, he starts on Friday. Good to see him get the start. I think if, like, at that point, if you're going to go with um, to St. Ricketts or Jordan Hamilton, I think you go with Jordan Hamilton just because Toss's speed off the bench is just so important. Yeah, and you know what you have with Ricketts, right. so give Hamilton a, you know, give him a try. But in that regard, you know what you have. I think now we. To me, Friday was a pretty clear indicator of what we have with Jordan Hamilton at the MLS level. Mm. It is becoming painfully apparent that Jordan Hamilton doesn't have the... or cannot sustain his play through a full 90 minutes because he got a chance within, I believe, within the first five minutes. Third minute, yeah. Six minutes in. and Or sorry, looked like six yards in. Yeah. And just couldn't convert. Yeah. Um, and the phrase that 
I keep using and I, and I keep using it with another media member uh, who also is fond of using this phrase. And to me, it's just true. You're a professional soccer player. Mm-hmm. You're not going to bury every chance, but these chances for a forward eventually, like that's your job. Yeah. That's what Jordan Hamilton is expected to do, much like your center backs are expected to, you know, break up chances and begin playing out through the back. Yeah. And it all builds up to this player, Jordan Hamilton. He missed chance after chance. And your stat for this week, Jordan Hamilton's expected goals currently in MLS, 2.75. That's third on TFC. That's above your Vasquez and your Akeche. Yeah. 2.75 expected goals. No expect, or sorry, no goals on the season. Um, and of note, his goals minus expected goals, again, sits at minus 2.75. That's the fourth highest total in MLS. Mm-hmm. Meaning that he is the fourth worst has the fourth worst conversion rate in MLS. Yeah. We've seen him play, I mean, so he's gotten 388 minutes this year. Not a ton, but what did Greg Vanny, you asked Greg Vanny about Jordan Hamilton today. Are, are we any closer to learning what Jordan Hamilton is actually going to be with this club, if anything? Um, not really, I don't think. Like, Vanny basically says a similar thing every time he's asked about Hamilton, which is that he wants to see consistency from game to game. And I think the problem he has with Hamilton right now, and, and I should say for starters that I really got the impression this preseason that Vanny was warming up to Hamilton big time. And, because and I, of... Just in the way he talked about him, I think he felt that he was giving him the kind of work ethic that he needed to see in training and in preseason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been reflected in the fact that Hamilton is getting way more minutes than he was last year. Um, he was the first sub off the bench within the hour mark in a Champions League final, which is like crazy to say six I months know, ago. I know, I um, know. Yeah, and, and so Vanny always says that he wants to see consistency game to game. And that that's the issue right now is, is that you don't know what you're going to get from Hamilton I don't think like one game he'll come off the bench and he'll provide that assist for Chapman or he'll score a really difficult finish off a corner or something and then the next game you get a miss from inside the six yard box and there's just not that sense of reliability that you know which Jordan Hamilton you're going to see and that makes it difficult for him to get a consistent run of starts I think but the problem as well is there's you know there's not a real other option no I mean even Toss and his starts hasn't looked good Toss just always looks better coming off the bench. He does. And, you know, he can do a job for you in terms of creating space for Javinko and stuff like that. But Again, yeah, he, he can go on his runs and, and he can open up space and he can... He doesn't have that kind of synergy with um, with Vasquez that no. Javinko does. No. Few do. Um, but would you keep going back to Jordan Hamilton? I don't... I don't think I would because you and I say that because I, I, I'm the one that kept saying he's gotta go back to Agar Keche because he can't let these missed chances yeah, get yeah. in his head. There's a difference between doing what you do as a midfielder and what you're expected to do as kind of a creative attacking midfielder mm-hmm. versus a finisher. Jordan Hamilton is expected to finish 
these chances. And he... I, I'd like to see Vanny go back to him. Yeah. Um, just give him another 90 minutes, give him another start with Jovinko and Vasquez on the field. Um, and, you know, players do miss chances, even the best miss chances. And so I would like to see him given another go, but I can kind of understand why he might not um, when there's a big three points on the line again. It, the thing is, I don't know if you do start to see him in a 4-1-4-1. No, it would mean going back to like a more of a 4-4-2, I guess, or a 3-5-2 potentially. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I'd be curious to look at how um, him and uh, Jovinko have kind of played together, but they're just, to me, they're just also, again, I know what I said about Auger Kache, but Jordan Hamilton has been with this club a lot longer, mm-hmm. and there, there is a point where you have to start saying, these chances can't get any easier. You know? yeah. And we said that about Jay Chapman. And what does he do? He comes out and scores. So, you know, perhaps you're right. Perhaps you do give him that one more game uh, because, you know, Jay Chapman, um, I, I spoke to him and I, you know, and I know that it was becoming a bit of a problem within the club. He's not converting these chances. He does. He scores a pretty big goal. It was gifted to him a little bit, but yeah, goals a goal. Um, yeah, goals a goal at this point. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know what to do with the player because it's not. It, it's been a long time with this club. Mm-hmm. It's that catch twenty two with the young players. They need a run of games, but they need to earn the run of games. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes the coach has to just kind of roll the dice and, and throw them in there. And I'd like to see that happen on Friday for Hamilton. Um, I'm not sure if it will. So the lineup for Friday. Let's think about. Let's talk about what we got from Greg today. Mm-hmm. That kind of could help us understand what a lineup could look like. Well, we know that predicting Greg's lineups is is a bit <laughs> silly sometimes. But um, I think that, and and I said this last week that I think Zavaleta will be back in. I think you get him in right away. There's no. Yeah. Chant. There's no point in, in saying bring him in at 45. You don't bring in a uh, you know a defender in at 45. So I think we see Nick. You think we see Nick Hagelin? Um, I'm not so sure. Um, I think I would probably go back to Zavaleta Mavinga. And I, the basic theme of the team, I think this week will just be trying to get some consistency in there. And so you think Zavaleta and Mavinga or Zavaleta and Mavinga in? In like a centre back role again. Yeah, and then probably just continue with Van der and Auro as the fullbacks. I'm inclined to to think that we get Nick Haglin back in and mm-hmm. pull Zavaleta out because what we've seen a lot of, and it's a big reason why we didn't see Marky Delgado. Um, and you want to be pulled into the press box, you could almost hear. Ollie fainting <laughs> when it, when the the starting eleven comes out and Marky Delgado's not in it. He's not in it, and he was asked. Greg Van, he was asked about it after because again, it's managing minutes right now. He's yeah. been leaning on him really heavily, so that leads me to believe that he wouldn't want to give Zavaleta because I believe he said something at the end of the Orlando game like he had smoke coming out of his tail. <laughs> right. Zavaleta, right? Right, like I maybe having a full week's break mitigates that a little bit compared to what we've seen in the past few weeks, but. No, I could I can see where you're coming from. So to me, I would put Haglin in beside Mavinga. Yeah. Um, he's shielded enough with Gregory Vanderweel, who, once again, 
has an outstanding performance. Like it's really solid, yeah. At what point do we start talking more and more about him? This wasn't on our, our show notes, but like MLS Defender of the Year because it's but it's so clean. Chris Mavinga got a lot of attention in the second half last year because of his speed, his tackling ability. You're not going to see that from Gregory Vanderwill, but it's so so clean. Like yeah, it's world class. Yeah, he's really player. efficient and just makes everything look pretty easy. I, I think he'll move around too much for any awards consideration, sure. just because he plays too many positions. But but that's why I think Haglund could work because he's kind of he he would then be shielded between Smithing yeah. and Gregory Vanderwill, very talented players there. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, and then you put Bradley obviously where he's going to be. I think it's a four one four one again. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and then I think we have to see, given what we what we saw I think Delgado comes back in Mm -hmm. the other player that's been played a lot and we didn't get an update on him because there's there's no real update needed but he didn't speak today Um, I think that they've been leaning very heavily on Victor Vasquez and I wouldn't be surprised if Seba comes back in so you have a little more of a goal-scoring threat there. Maybe Vasquez comes in off the bench because I think, again, he doesn't want to lean too heavily on him. Can you see that at all? Um, a little bit. I I don't know. I think they'll want to try and roll everyone out that they can this week. I, I just think you want to try and build on what you did last week and get some momentum going again. So I, I would put everyone who played well last week back on the field. So maybe move also back out to the wing? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And then that would mean Chapman potentially coming out. Yeah, and that and, and that's also understandable because he's leaned on him. Yeah. You know, he's had the last three or four starts. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked to see Vasquez not in it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I like I get these wrong every single week. So oh, we, we all do. Like I, I was. I, I well, think you I, had Zavaleta. I had Zavaleta, but that said, I also sprinted up the stairs to pat myself on the back and say, "I told you about Zavaleta." Um, all we can confidently say, Gregory Vanderweel will be in the back, and he's going to look great. Yeah. Do you put Ryan Telford back in again? Yeah, yeah, I think you've got to after what he did last week. Just ride what's working. It's really incredible um, to see. Let's kind of switch and, and talk about something kind of interesting, kind of a little different. Um, it was a bit of a quiet day at training today. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanny was the only one that, that scrummed, and he was talking a little bit about injuries and and talking a little bit, bit about Jordan Hamilton. Towards the end... Um, I thought you, and I'm assuming you're going to write about this in some form, but you kind of threw an interesting curveball question at him. And I think he likes curveball questions. Yeah. Uh, I think he likes not being asked about day-to-day minutia. And, right, And right. I think he appreciates the opportunity to not say one game at a time, or, you know, yeah. the best version of ourselves day in and day out. <laughs> you asked him with the Champions League final on Saturday if there were any European teams that he has kind of watched or been interested yeah been particularly engaged by I guess or influenced by in some way this year so what did you make of his answers um he he didn't say one specific team he talked a bit about you know most of the main front runners in Europe um Barcelona was the first place he went to which 
Barcelona and Pep Guardiola are quite often the first place he goes to um, when he's asked a question like that. I think that's a you know a team and a style that he really admires and perhaps is kind of trying to work towards. Him. And yet he balanced that, and we're going to come back and we're yeah. really going to talk about him and Barcelona and and Pep. Um, but he balanced that by then talking about Atletico Madrid. And he he said, did, yeah. He said yeah. they're a blue-collar team. Yeah. And they kind of work for everything that they have. And mm-hmm. and the interesting thing to me about that is that's about as far away from this TFC, like that high-press, relentless system. Like, when was the last time, if ever, you saw Greg Vanny employ a press, right? Yeah, like, it's, it's funny because t- Vanny is like a very astute, thinker I think and yes. he, he understands all of this stuff and you know thinks about the tactical side of the game at quite a high level but you like I, I've often thought that there's no real specific identity to TFC like what they've prided themselves on is their flexibility right their ability to go between systems between styles and adapt to what's in front of them so you wouldn't call them a, an Atletico Madrid type team but you probably wouldn't call them a Barcelona type team no. either um, but he at the same time he seems to have quite a big admiration for some of these specific styles so it's an interesting thing I, I see them moving more towards kind of possession and you know the Barca style this season so I'll put you on the spot then if there was a top flight European team mm-hmm. that you think maybe Vanny wants to like emulate or just again very much apples and oranges but that kind of reminds you of, of TFC who would that be? Um, that's a good question. La- last year's TFC, I would go different to this year. Probably. Yeah. So just quickly, I I saw a lot, and partly because of the formation, but I saw a lot of what Chelsea tried to do. They both mm. like they both liked that three five two. Yeah. And I think yeah. they both not necessarily broke the mold. Um, they had a you know both teams had you know or tried to have this kind of box to box midfielder. In like a Michael Bradley, and but right now, he also mentioned uh, he mentioned Jurgen Klopp, but I think any coach kind of admires yeah. Jurgen Klopp in a way, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think Chelsea's a good comparison. I think like generally the Italian school of coaches, where they're very much not tied to one idea, and they go into a club. And they do what they think they should do with the players they have, rather than saying we are definitely going to play this way all the time. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of what the read I've got on Vanny previously. He re- he mentioned Pep a few times, and he mentioned Pep at Barcelona. He mentioned Pep at Man City. He didn't mention Pep at Bayern, but we'll let that go. <laughs> um, but he one probably the most interesting thing he said in training today was how he thinks what Barcelona has done, particularly under Pep, changed the way the modern game looks. I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Yeah. Um, you and I both agree Vanny fancies himself a bit of a, you know, a, a, a mover of chess pieces. Mm-hmm. And he, he's the kind of manager that man management is important, but the tactics, whether or not he likes to admit it, because I feel like he defers those questions a lot, you know, uh, principles-based, not systems-based team, they're really important to him. Yeah. And the idea of a tactician and a someone who moves the chess pieces in MLS when you might not always have the talent 
to do the things that you want to do with the with that kind of very interesting and very different player movement. I don't like. Do you think it works in MLS? Yeah, I think you'd have to say what he's done has worked. Um, I think the way he's able to manipulate systems based on kind of the balance of the team rather than any specific, you know, preset formation. I think that's one of Annie's strengths. Like, you know, we can talk about the um, the three five two, but the way they've played it this season, it often becomes like a four four two because you have Vanderwiel as the outside centre back and he can become a fullback and our right. can go into midfield. And I think he's like I think he's really kind of clever about the way he moves pieces around like that. Um but it's it's been interesting to see them this year because they t- to me, like I don't know what your impression is, but my impression is that putting much more of an emphasis on possession this year and well yeah last year I remember writing uh, midway through the season like TFC's possession numbers were in the bottom half of the yeah, league yeah. and it's it wasn't an opinion thing but it's like can you win if you don't have possession mm-hmm. and, and they don't really impress intensely and either they and their counterattack isn't particularly no. I think last year it was more about them really making the most of the chances that they did have and that's why their expected goals were way higher than, you know, the goals they actually did score last year. Yeah. Right, because it, the chances that they did have, they buried. And I know I keep coming back to it, but that's been the biggest drop-off mm. with this 2018 TFC team. Is I think at times, and we're a little surprised by it, because when you see that one-touch movement, when, a, when they build from the back and it goes through Bradley and then it goes through Vasquez, your eyes kind of light up, even though we got very used to seeing that last year. But there's been glimpses where you're like, oh yeah, they can still do this, right? It's still within them to play directly through the middle of the pitch yeah. and, and go in like five seconds from Bono to the front. But there's the finishing hasn't been there. No. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a huge difference. And I think, the, I think that works because... In, in, I think in big part to come back to it because of Gregory Vanderweel yeah, who, can, play off who can who can distribute a ball almost as if he's he can play in that Michael Bradley type position yeah like he's not but you can see him playing in that kind of deep lying midfield role well sometimes he kind of does and yeah. he like he steps up and Bradley will kind of shift left and they'll have two like obviously Vanderweel is not playing as a defensive midfielder, but when they're in possession, he kind of, that's kind of where he plays. Right? It worked so much last season because by the time you got the ball to Vasquez, teams were kind of on their heels. Yeah. And he had the ability to find that final pass and deliver that final pass better than anyone else in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about moving that ball quick. This season, with Vasquez not necessarily at full health early on and then not having the regular options that he does to, to you know, to wear, to, to send that ball to, that's hurt. And if you have Michael Bradley playing in the back, it's become more about, it, the, for him, it was just about clearing the ball and disrupting chances than it was about, you know, getting that ball from Drew Moore and beginning things, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it never, this season, it, it hasn't looked very often. That's what I mean. When you see it, you're kind of shocked. Like, wow, they can play out of the, the back and they can do it quickly and yeah and in a kind of aesthetically pleasing way right yeah and like at times I think they've kind of overdone it in that sense Mm. um, and played a little bit out of the back too much but I definitely I just think when you look at 
you know you look at the eye test of the way they play first of all but you look at it statistically as well they're having way more of the ball um, than they were last year I think they've had four regular season games where they had 60% possession or more Uh, last season they didn't have four all season Um, so that's definitely been a change for, for me and like the four one four one is a is kind of a move in that in that direction as well, and it's interesting because it it seems like it's maybe the progression of this team that Vanny is that's the direction Vanny's trying to go, um, but he hasn't always had the players to do it, and so that's kind of made it a you know an interesting balance between needing to find ways to win with what you've got and and also developing with using this part of the year to develop the team in kind of the way you want to to go in longer term last season uh, TFC finished the league and we're at a point now in the season where we can use this as a pretty adequate sample size Uh, last season TFC finished 8th in MLS with 50.9% possession so they were even though they finished 8th they were a middle of the pack team they they did not rely on keeping the ball a lot this year um, they jumped to 3rd in MLS 54.4% possession and that's taking those three games um, yeah, where they where looked... They got killed in Houston with right. like 40% of the ball or right. something. So, yeah. so I think you're right. I think they are a team that has now saying, okay, how can we make the most of, of what we have? And maybe that means holding on to the ball a little more and waiting out teams more than we would have last season, mm-hmm. allowing the Jay Chapmans to go on their runs. Yeah, you know, and that's probably to come back to him. That's probably why there's a, a bit of frustration in this club and around and within MLS or sorry TFC fans about Agar Keche because if you're going to hold on to the ball longer, mm-hmm. your chance better be good, right? Yeah. Because you're holding on to it, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting to to find that perfect chance, and Agar Keche is having cracks from well outside the 18. I'm a fan of it, but I can see how it would irk some fans, right? Yeah. And but to be fair, the um they are creating chances. Like yep. if you look at by any measure, they're up near the top of the league in terms of taking shots, um, creating clear chances. Um those things haven't been an issue. The the finishing has and it's gone from last year they were the best in the league in terms of shot conversion um by a fair distance, I think. This year, they're, I believe, 21st or 22nd yeah. right now in terms of converting shots at about 10 or 11%, which is is not good. Um, sorry, go on. Well, I was just going to wrap things up. Oh. I, I don't, I don't want to, I know, I don't want to cut you off. I know you're on <laughs> no, 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 yeah. So I, the basic point I'm making is conversion is more of an issue for them right now than, than actually creating chances. All right, we'll finish with, we'll talk about conversion little bit of predictions. We're, yeah. We've been really wrong on them so far. Um, talking conversion. Friday night against Columbus. Um, or sorry, Dallas. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. Friday night against Dallas. Uh, out of conference game. Which is good for them. Um, do, do we see uh, Javinko get back on the score sheet? Uh, that would help. I think they need him to yeah, when I think uh, so too. without Altador, you know, he's been kind of um a little bit hit and miss in front of goal. Again, maybe a bit of bad luck in there. But they need him to if he went on a run that would do so much to help them get through this this 
uh, out non outdoor period. Training notes as well um, should be noted that Alex Bono will not get the start yeah. on Friday. Um, he's in Philadelphia with the U.S. Men's National Team camp. Uh, so Clint Irwin's in. Um, all indications from Greg. I don't know if he had info that he shouldn't have shared. Uh, it sounds like Bono's going to get the start for the yeah. men's team, and that's why, and and potentially earn his first cap. Yes, um, yeah, which is as you say why he is he's gone quite early. Yeah, so he's gone. I mean, the game isn't till the twenty eighth. Yeah. He's gone already. Um, so it looks like we'll see uh, Irwin in the back again. Predictions. I'm going. I think Haglin goes in. I'm going to double down on my center back. Yes, yeah. I think Haglin goes in. Any other thoughts on what we could see in the lineup this week? Um, one thing I would note, not this week's lineup, but next week's, is that Bono will be back. Uh, for the Columbus game, I believe yeah. they're playing next. He's not going to go to Europe. It okay. sounds like with the uh, the U.S. national team. So he'll start the game here so on the twenty eighth, not here. Uh, There's the first game, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the game in Philadelphia, yeah. There's a game and in then, Philadelphia on the twenty eighth, and then they go to Europe on the men's team, the U.S. national yeah. team, go to Europe. I can't remember what the dates are, but they play Ireland and France. And Delgado is a possibility to get called into that hmm. group. That could be interesting. Yeah. Um, Bono should be back. Okay, good to know. Um, as always, uh, it's an early, early uh, podcast in the week this week. We want you guys, if you have some time, send us a note on Twitter. I'm at Joshua Cloak. He's at Platt Ollie. Uh, what do you think of the show? What would you like to hear more of? What would you like to hear less of? Um, we are in the process of getting the podcast uploaded to iTunes. It's been submitted for approval, so we're waiting patiently to hear about that. Uh, if there's anything else you want to hear, topics to discuss, we will eventually get to guests. Um, so anything you want to discuss, shoot us a note on Twitter. Would be very much appreciated. Anything you want to add, Ollie? No, tell me about the audio quality, because I've been kind of trying to get that right and I know we had some issues last week so any problems with uh, audio feel free to shoot me a tweet or something and again any topics anything you want to hear about audio quality we're all ears thanks as always for listening